Welcome to the Johansson Baseball 2.0 podcast, where we dive deep into everything baseball player development. Johansson Baseball 2.0 is your ticket to learning about player development, recruiting, and everything in between. Hosted by Jake Scala and Ryan Johansson. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Johansson Baseball 2.0 podcast. Jake Scala with me, Ryan Johansson here. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, optics, favoritism, um, basically that just because something's fair doesn't mean it's going to be equal. Um, so, uh, Jake, you've coached, obviously, at the travel ball level. You've coached at the college level. Tell us about a time that you felt like you were kind of um, kind of torn on a decision and you either A, made the choice that you thought was best or B, made the choice that you thought looked the best and you didn't necessarily believe in it, but maybe it was like for optics um, and or both if, you, if you've got a situation for both. Because I can think of one. I can think of one in particular decision that you made as a head coach. I made as a head coach. That okay. was optically terrible. <laughs> um, but I actually like, made a ton of sense, even though okay. a lot of people didn't agree with it. So one optic story from when I was coaching trial ball back in the good old days at uh, was still still program to, be, for, program to be named later. To be named later. Um, we had uh, a lot of good kids, but they were a little younger. And I was torn uh, on what to do for warm-ups because as, as some of you coaches of 13, 14, and 50-year-olds know, they don't always like to do their warm-ups with full engagement or full intensity and kind of just lollygag through them sometimes and I was trying to find a way to get them to be more engaged and so I talked to a friend of mine who is a doctor of physical therapy and I was like look I've got this idea it's really crazy wait so hold on this idea came from a doctor so this idea came from I saw it on Twitter um oh, okay I saw it on Twitter I believe Jeff it was Fry, Jeff Fry no, would I be bl- so mad. He would be t- he would be so mad. He would have <laughs> never never said hello to me at that that event we went to. Um, but I saw it on Twitter. I want to say it was maybe it was cup probably like 5 or 6 years ago now. This was a long time ago. It was yeah. a while ago now, but I want to say it was Lackawanna College. Um had posted some sort of this, like vague was this, idea. Was this the Riggins guy or pre-Riggins? This was pre-Riggins. Pre-Riggins. Um, Robert Riggins he, is a great he, follow on Instagram, yes. by the way. Just a, just a quick plug. Super that he came smart up. He's guy. A, he's a great follower. He's with the Giants now, the San Francisco Giants. Um, and if you're a big Twitter guy or you're on your phone listening to this, like just like uh, go to Twitter and like look up Robert Riggins. He's a great follow. Yeah, but I don't know if it, it was definitely pre-Riggins, but I don't know if this was like. Just I, I had an idea looking at some of the things they did or if they had actually done this, but I had the bright idea because our guys love so, playing spike ball. Okay. So and, go back. So hold on. Before we, now that you've introduced it and whatever, yes. a doctor of physical therapy, I didn't even know this part of the story. A doctor <laughs> of physical therapy is like, yes, great idea. So I did my research. I, I was like, if I'm going to, if I'm seriously going to present this to our players and more importantly, their parents as, as why we're going <laughs> to give this a shot. I, I need to do do some research. So I was like, I was talking to him. I was like, okay, here's 
here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of using spike ball as a warm up, and and here's why. And I was I list my reasons where you know it fires up your central nervous system because you're playing a game. Um, did you? They're moving you, around, so they're getting their body warmed up. Their cardio's getting up. Their heart rate's getting up. Did you use the phrase central nervous system with 13, 14, 15? I case? don't think I used it with them. I, I may have only explained the extreme details to the kids that were frustrated with why we were doing this because most of them were like sick i get to play spike ball before a warm-up yeah. um you know i may have i may have explained it to all of them now that i think about it but either way uh, fires up central nervous system gets their brain going gets their hand-eye coordination going gets their heart rate up gets their body moving and spike ball you spike a ball so you're getting your arm loose you're getting your legs loose because you're running all over the place and you know the other aspect is <laughs> It was psychologically, like other teams are going to show up and be like, they're going to do one of two things. They're be like, this team is crazy. They're playing spike ball right now. Why the heck are they doing that? And they're going to be intimidated for that reason. Or they're going to underestimate us because they're going to be like, these kids are playing spike ball as their warm up. Let's go kick their tails. And then, you know, we go in because we just had a crazy amount of talent on that team. But a ton of those kids play for another travel organization right now. Um, and like turned out to be like studs, like a bunch of them got area code tryouts. A bunch of them are like getting looked at by colleges, like hit over 400 this year. Like, and I don't think people realize too, that, um, so much of what we did four or five years ago for like the amount of people that are having success today. And that's just not us taking credit for it or, or anything like that. Cause there's a lot of great people who, um, obviously poured into a lot of these athletes and, and things like that too. But, um, like setting the stage. I think of like my young kids right now, <clears throat> like my, like when I say young kids, like my actual personal kids, like my two daughters, um, a lot of so much of what they're doing in gymnastics and what I've set up around the house from a swing perspective and giving them access to different like things to like learn how to move their body. Like that is, that's going to pay dividends when I'm not their coach and I'm never really want to be their coach. I don't really like to instruct them. Like they're going to, as one of my good friends says about his kids, like they're going to hate me for a lot of things. I don't want sports to be one of them. <laughs> um, so I, you know, hire out professionals, uh, you know, for those things as well. But anyways, I think it's kind of cool that looking back, like how much success a lot of those guys are having now. And like, I don't think they realized at the time, even the ones who were mad at it, like why they were playing spike ball, because I bet the ones that were mad at it also like didn't like losing and they yes. probably like tried harder and got their body warmed up. And regardless, like reaction time, cognitive response time, like there's just so many other things that, that go into it. But, um, I personally don't think from like going into that story and like where we're at, like, I don't think as a travel coach, I don't think I would have wanted to explain the optics <laughs> Or I don't think I would have wanted to deal with the optics. Like I would have been like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'd love to do this, but the parents are going to be mad. The players are going to be mad or there's going to be enough issues. There's going to be enough issues. It's not going to, uh, it's going to look like, you know, I'm don't know what I'm doing or that I gave up or whatever else. Right. Yeah. So I think about a time in professional baseball, I've got two pro ball stories about this. Um, I don't like playing the infield in, um, early in the game. And, a manager told me at one point, I was like, dude, why are we doing that? Like that run doesn't matter. Like there's a chance, whatever. And, and you know, or if we're down, like, I think this is what the situation was. I think we were down like seven to one in like the third and we played infield in to save like the eighth run. And I asked him like, dude, what are we doing? Like that one run isn't going to make the difference. Like we got to get the bats going. Like we need outs. We need to like get back on offense. 
Um, and it was like a dumb, like five, six hole grounder that like would have been an out and you know, whatever that run scores, but it ended up being a hit. And I think the next guy hit a homer. So now we're down like nine, one, you know, and it, or 10, one at that point. And, um, it was like, man, we could have just gotten that out. Maybe then we don't give up the homer. Cause now we're not pitching around guys, not trying to walk guys, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Right. And like, then we get to move on and like now instead of seven, one, it's eight, one. And he's like, man, you know, I agree with you. I don't like it either, but we can't let the players know that we've given up. Like the game is, uh, like they have to know that we're still in the fight and that we're still doing things to essentially try to win the game. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But like, that's not what wins the game. He's like, yeah, but it's, you just can't do that. And I was like, Oh, like, okay. And this was like my first year in pro ball. Um, but as a data guy and like, you know, all these other things and life experiences and things I'm like this, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, my other pro ball story is, um, one of the best hitting guys I know who's not professional baseball anymore um, was really, really good at knowing like what was appropriate in the moment in the cage, really good ideas, really creative guy, super smart, way smarter than I think people realized he was. Um, He was kind of uh, kind of a little like scraggly um, and you know, he came off like his, like he was thinking about so many things at so many, like so many things at one time that it came off a little disorganized. Uh, but he was to this day, like a huge, I consider him like a huge mentor to me. And I think he says the same thing about me, which is kind of cool. Like we were actually like a really good match, um, in terms of like what our skill sets were and like what I think we could have like taught each other. Um, and you know, I love picking his brain to this day. He's a really awesome dude. He sent me videos post pro ball of doing some of the most crazy things. He had a, he had a table leg. <laughs> he had the leg of a table. He was bouncing tennis balls from different angles, having guys swing a like wooden table leg. So it was like this thing about this like fat grip with like, maybe it was like a fence post or something. Like something that was like just ridiculous after like in front of other players or managers. Like, like Bodor. Yeah. Like I, I got, yeah, exactly. Bodor. <laughs> and uh, I was getting like flack for using like an ax bat. That's like unloaded, like, you know, or, or like a skinny barrel Something bat. Something that at right? least looked like a yeah, bat. Yeah. Like it had like everything, like at least had a bat handle. Right. And then he's like, yeah, I don't have to worry about the optics anymore. That was like the text. And I was, and I was like, dude, like I love this drill. He's like, yeah, we're trying to create space. We're trying to like have good direction. Like all the things, you know, that, you know, you and I both agree on. I was like, why don't we do this? You know, when we were in X, Y, Z. And uh, I mean, you know us at all. You probably know who I'm talking about. I can figure it out. Um, but uh, <clears throat> he was like, yeah, optics though. Like, yeah, we're not going to do that. They like, can't do that in pro ball. It's like, yeah, you're probably right. You can't, you probably can't bring out like four table legs and like in four cages and like start bouncing tennis balls and have people like take you seriously. Um, but he was coaching like high level players at the time. Like it was like a good college, um, good college summer program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just funny. Like you kind of get handcuffed into these different organizations and different things. And pro ball is a little interesting because like you get paid a salary and like, you're truly an employee. That was like the first time, like in a long time I had felt like an employee and I didn't get to do and say everything that I wanted to do and say, I well, you know how much you um, like to do that. I do like to do that. That's why I run my own company. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I like to, I always tell like the Dane cook joke. Like I like to say something every day that makes people go like, wow, this guy's crazy. And then I like to follow it up with an action. They're like, Oh my gosh, this guy's really crazy. Um, I don't think I would have done the spike ball thing though. I still don't think I would have done the spike. <laughs> yeah. Ball thing. I, I got lucky with like most of the kids loved, like they would play spike ball anyway when we go on like a road trip. And so I was like, you know what, we'll give it a shot. And I also had it like 
the best group of parents as well that were very supportive of, you know, what we believed in as like hitting coaches and, but also like very supportive of me as like the head coach of their kids team. And, you know, they, I'm sure a couple of them were questioning it in the moment, but no one ever brought it up to me. The only, <laughs> the only time I ever heard of someone complaining about it was when the, a couple of the players that, were just frustrated because they weren't doing their regular warmups. Um, oh, there were players who complained about it. Oh yeah, there, oh, yeah, were. there were. Oh, there totally. I, I were. mean, I, I heard about it. Oh, I, I heard, I, 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 I heard, heard about. It. There were a couple that complained to me about it, and yeah. I was like, "Well, we're we're doing it." Well, I heard it from players. I heard it from parents. I heard it from really you know, whatever. And uh, I always like back to you, of course. You mm-hmm. know, that's I thought it was a great idea, and it was more about like, um, you know, well, well, what's the problem with it? And they never had a good answer for like what the problem with it was. <laughs> It was just like, and I think that's, that's like the challenge of like what your expectations are. You know, we talked about tryouts and like travel teams the other day. Like if you want to be overcoached, like you're not going to get it from good coaches. You know what I mean? Like we just had, we just, we just did a podcast with, um, uh, your mental skills guy, right? We just did a mental skills podcast and it was all about like players can't extrapolate more like these young players can't, they, their brains just can't take it. Like they, 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 they the parents they, want yeah. it. The players want it. They want they these to be can't. engaged. And it's like, your brain's not ready for what you think you're ready for. So like, let's keep it simple. Let's focus. And then the older they get, the more they realize it. And the more they're like, dude, keep it simple. So like I had, I had a guy, um, and this is like where lessons like can get a little like, and you and I talked about this actually, this is actually kind of funny. Lessons can, get to a point where like you start talking because the parents there and you're like, man, I have to give them something. Cause it's like, you're trading money for knowledge. And really you, like, that's why lessons aren't the best model. Mm-hmm. It's like that consistent group training model. Um, like the programming model, getting you involved in like strength, condi- strength, conditioning and things like that. Um, it's not just like trading time for knowledge because eventually the knowledge that they need, they're not ready for. Like if you just come once a week, like you're not ready for the next step of knowledge. Like let's go evaluate like where you're at next. Um, so, uh, you know, you and I talked about this in terms of like coaching teams, like, mm-hmm. Hey, people are going to want to see you coach our program and our external cues and the constraint led model doesn't always create opportunities to, to coach. So you've got to get really good at saying something without saying anything. And that is really challenging as a coach because we just talked about that with our mental skills guy, but the same thing, like sometimes players want something. They want a cue. They want to feel like they're being coached. They want to feel like they're getting information. They want to feel smarter. They want to feel more equipped. And like the more we give them, the more challenging it could be. And I can't tell you how many pro guys came back to the lab and wanted to see all their numbers and left their worst hitters. And it's like, we had to, at one point, like I would just like, I could see it in their eyes, start to glaze over. I'd have to like tell our biomechanics guy, like I'd have to like be behind him and like tell him like, cut it, cut it. Hey, we're done. We're done. Like end it. Be like, Hey, this is like pick one thing. And then eventually it was like, if they came back and they're like, Hey, what's the thing? Like we had to say, Oh, there's one thing. And then if they executed that, it was like, you know, a month later, whatever these are like rookie rookie ball guys, like, Hey, here's the next thing. Yeah. It's never like, well, you do this, you do this. And like, it's so different than pitching because pitchers, Pitchers just have different minds than hitters and it's a totally different world. Um, but anyways, like from the optics of like lessons or like training, you know, these parents want this over coaching, all this information. Oh my gosh, coach them up, coach them up, coach them up, coach them up. And I think most coaches want to feel 
like they're coaching them up. There's so mm-hmm. many times, like the older I get and the more experience I get, like with being around players, like the more I catch myself biting my tongue. Like I want to coach players up. I want to share knowledge. Like I want to be like, ah, and it's like, is this the right time? And when you have, you know, professionals telling us that they can't extrapolate the information and they can't process like the abstract, like moat, like it's usually abstract stuff that we're talking about. And if we can't simplify it down to the nuts and bolts and the physical tools and what they need in that moment to, to a singular focus, I think that's where, that's where it gets challenging. And now we're getting off the topic a little bit of the optics. So a bit. I can ramble. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, you guys will probably, what is this episode six, five, whatever you guys yeah. will figure that out by now. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So like, it's just funny, like, and I guess that's why mm. I asked you that question. Like, yeah. what's a time, you know, when you do this, because now we're talking about playing time. Yeah. Like, let's get into the optics of playing time and who you mm. play and why you play them. Because in pro ball, it's not always the player you believe in. Oh, yeah. Like, as a manager. Like, as a manager, you might believe in a guy and you might do everything in your power to get him in the lineup as much as you possibly can. And that might be three days a week. You might think he's your best option. He's only allowed to be in the lineup three days a week. So, going to the college level you know, we talk about optically, like it's not just, it's not just like your best player or we like to, you know, coaches are always like, Oh, if you work hard, you're going to get in. Like that's, that's, that's that's, so rare. So it is so rare. Like we just play like the most talented players. Yes. And then or the hot hand. Yeah. Or the hot hand or, you know, whatever it is. And then at the travel ball level, it's like, they just, they beg these kids to work hard. The hardest Mm -hmm. worker will get in the hardest worker will get in the hardest worker will get in. And they don't. And then no. the parents are like surprised. And it's like, well, and then the flip side, they're like, oh, the most talented person will get in. No, the person you trust the most will get in. You might trust your best friend's kid, like more than you trust the kid that just tried out for your team and it's a brand new player. You might trust his work ethic. You might know the coach that he's going to see. You might think there's about to be a breakout. You might want to hit a kid fourth who's struggling or move a kid up because you believe that that's going to be his breakout. Like you're trying to help the kid that you think has the most potential. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the other stuff. No. And then it's like fair doesn't mean equal. Well, like you're like fair does not mean equal. No, Did you have an opportunity to be in the lineup? Did you have an opportunity to go off when, when your number was called? Did you have an opportunity to, to show? And then like the parents are back, well, he did. He did that. He went off. He went off. He went off. He went off. Mm-hmm. But did you have an opportunity to change that coach's mind? Maybe. Was it the yeah. maybe? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not either. <laughs> like, right? like, unfortunately, life is not fair, and coaches no. have biases, and we have like as as much as coaches will tell you they don't, they do have favorites. Like you don't want to have favorites because that optically doesn't look good when you have favorites. But like everyone knows who the coach's favorite player is, and it's usually the kid that doesn't come out of the lineup. Yeah, and and it's. There's nothing wrong with that either. Like if if he's the if he's the talented, most talented and the hardest worker, like it's usually a win win for that. You don't have to worry about the optics of playing him all the time. But it's when he's not that you run into the optics with with families and parents where they're like, this kid's getting so much playing time and he's making so many errors and strikes out all the time and he does this and this, but he keeps getting chances. Yeah, and I think that's where like Fitzy hit it on the head. You know, he said it. I mean, verbatim, um, he said, I don't have money invested in me, so I don't have the opportunity to go into a slump as much as like some of the guys who do, right? Mm-hmm. That's like an organization believing in somebody that they invested in, right? So if you took a chance on, I mean, I think of a, I think of a kid 
who at 14, 15, sometimes 16, you like, I gave more chances to as a coach than the next kid. And he didn't always perform on defense or on offense. And it was like, but this kid has the most potential out of the group. Like he should probably get the most opportunity. And it's tough because like the other parents aren't necessarily wrong. Like, well, he made X amount of errors. Like, well, yeah, like he had a bad game, but like he also has more potential. And I think from a fairness standpoint, I think I gave everybody a fair chance when I I coached at that level. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think I gave everybody an equal opportunity to showcase what they had. I think I evaluated them appropriately. I think, I think history showed, showed us that like, um, but it's, it's just really hard because I, I can't imagine being a parent like, and being frustrated because on the, as a, as a coach and doing lessons, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Well, you know, da, da, da. or how about doing, how about just being involved in the tryout? Hey, how was your, how was your year last year? Like what happened last year? Well, my coach and I always stop guys. I, I used to listen mm-hmm. to it and I just stopped. I was like, Hey, I, I, if you're going to talk about your coach, I, I personally just don't care. I, I don't care what the, like, how did you personally do? How did you feel? What do you want to get better at? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to like our tryout, you know, episode and things like that is like, what is your motivation? What's your motivation to be here? What's your motivation for the next step? Like hindsight's 2020. Um, but I think like, I'm just, I'm just done with parents being mad that there's favoritism. Like in the job market right now, it's like 40% of all people who are getting new jobs know somebody at the job. I think pretty much every, every, not, not pretty much every job I've ever gotten. I have to this point in my life, I have either known someone that works there or have had some or some other sort of connection to either someone that's hiring me or someone that's a part of the hiring process. Like that's all like my entire, like entire life. The jobs that I've gotten that haven't been that way have been because I have built relationships with people um, intentionally like for that purpose or even in the hiring process, like built relationships with them. Um, So I just think about like NCSA, like, um, you know, it was probably one of the jobs that I got that I didn't know anybody to start and I applied and um, didn't like hear anything back. So like, what the heck? Like. It, it said I was supposed to hear something back. Mm-hmm. So I called and they're like, yeah, man, I'll get you in touch with the hiring manager. I'll let him know you called. Like, can I take a name? Can I take a number? Da, da, da. And they have like an 800 number on their website at the time. And, uh, I call again, like two days later, didn't hear anything. I'm like, Hey, I like applied. Uh, you know, what's like, what's going on? Um, and I think I obviously said it very differently than that. It was probably, probably a little bit like, more professionally, like, way, <laughs> way more rapport, right? Like, <laughs> Hey, just, you know, just curious, checking in my application, you know, da, da, da. And, um, I like later to find out like part of the reason I got hired is because like I called back in and like they were like, yeah, this guy like knows how to like talk to people like he's not afraid of whatever. But how many people are just like sending out? And I remember being I was in LA. I was in the LA fitness locker room talking with the best catcher I've ever seen live. His name's Michael Corrigan. Uh, I doubt he's ever going to listen to this podcast. If anybody's ever in the St. Charles area and here's a, he's the best catcher of all time. He should have been gone pro. Um, he tore his labrum, uh, had some off field issues or whatever. And, uh, he was at, uh, university of St. Louis. Then he came back to North central, just absolutely dominated best, best catcher of all time. He was awesome because whenever I would pitch and I hate pitchers by the way, cause pitchers walk guys. And, uh, <laughs> 
anytime I walked a guy, it was an automatic out because they would like try to steal because I was like super slow to the plate too. I like wasn't good. And he would just throw him out from his knees like casually. It was awesome. It was like, I'd just be like, yeah, can we just like put this guy on? Like let Michael throw him out. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, so anyways, he's like, he was telling me, um, you know, a friend of his at one point sent out like 200 applications. And this is like, this might be like 15 years ago. I don't even know, like, yeah. you know, whatever. And, uh, 200 applications and had like a really prestigious degree. Um, and didn't, didn't get a sniff. Oh yeah. And I was like, I man, like I'm like, I get jobs because I like call and follow up and do all these things. And it's like, man, I don't know how you, how you do that. Not, not and that's not like a tooting my own horn. My whole point is like coaches and people trust people who put the effort in to be trusted. Right. And that's where as a parent, I think it's really important that we teach our players how to build relationships. This goes back to being coachable. If, if coaches think you're coachable because you have a relationship with them, they're going to trust you. If they trust you, you'll be one of their favorites. Like, like I, was let's wait, stop, I was waiting to see how like, this was all yeah, going to cycle like, back in. Yeah. Like let's <laughs> stop complaining. Let's stop complaining about what's fair, what's equal. And like, let's do something to teach our players how baseball can transform you in the, like the game of life. Mm-hmm. That's that's super important. Caution with that is don't teach your players how to be fake and build fake relationships because coaches can sniff those out too. They can sniff out someone who's just trying to brown nose them the whole time. Great story. I have a story. Let's talk. <laughs> let's tell a story. Did you think I didn't have a story? You always have a story. I always Ryan. have a story. So um, again, a pro ball story. Uh, I'm in the clubhouse. I have a great conversation with the player or I, so I think is a great conversation <laughs> with the player. I'm out in the cage and, um, I get sucked in for like 45 minutes and I'm like, yeah, I'm a great coach. Like I just gave him that guy my time. Like I should have been out of here, like eating tacos, like on the golf course, you know, whatever. And, uh, everyone else is shower. They're out there like, Oh, he got you, huh? And I was like, what do you mean he got me? And they're like, yeah, he spent time with you. Like, like he got you to like stay out there. Like, let me guess. And they start like, he asked you this, he asked you that. He asked you this. I'm getting frustrated at this point because I'm like, yeah, because obviously none of you guys gave it to him, right? It's like, <laughs> this guy was a master, master at being like, hey, coach, look at my swing. Hey, coach, give me something. Hey, coach, give me something. Never did any, never did anything about it. Just like really wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. Really wanted coaches to see that he was working. And to be honest with you, it kind of made me self-reflect. Cause I was kind of that guy. Like I remember I climbed my high school's fence one time. I really wanted to do T work on the field. Oh, T work. Gross. <laughs> it's like 20 years ago now. And, uh, I'm not that old. It's all you guys um, had back then. Right? Yeah. All right. Now my numbers are just getting off. Like I don't even know how old I am anymore. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I remember I climbed the fence. The field was locked. I'm like, yeah, I play here. It's fine. And, uh, it was the yellow ATEC tees. You remember those? Oh, I don't. Actually. Gosh, the yellow ATEC tees. And I oh, just those like, were, those are before my time. Everybody was like, see it deep and it the other way. So I think I had like tea, like at the, like, like in the catcher's glove. And I was like, like wondering why I kept going in the, like, even off the tee, like in the first base dugout. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I'm like all proud of it. Right. And I like come back. I'm like, Hey, coach. Did you notice anything different about the field? He's like, no. I'm like, oh yeah. I I, I was like, good. I, I I purposely asked him. I was like, okay, good. Like I raked up like the batter's box. I want to make sure no one could tell that I was like working. And it was like, 
Dude, that is so, so cringy. cringy. So, so bad, right? Cringy. So bad. And he's like, what do you mean you were oh, working on it? He's like, what do you mean? Dope. I was like, yeah, like the field was locked, like came out, like, you know, took some reps. Like, and we all know a player like that. Like, we oh, all do. I've, I've right? met quite a few in my time. And, he, and like, in his mind, he's like, yeah, dude, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not that good. Like, <laughs> the, like the reps you took, like, on Saturday, like, probably don't, it doesn't make you six foot and 180. Like, you're still really, really small. And, like, <laughs> you don't have bat speed, you know? And uh, this is after I hit like five twelve as a sophomore. Like one, like this is hilarious because like in a previous episode I was just like oh, I was really good in high school. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like just funny. Uh, like that was. There's so many guys like that, even in professional baseball. They're still like, hey, look at me, look at me. Oh hey, I did this. Oh hey, I did. Hey hey, thanks. Hey thanks for thanks for creating. Oh, this was my favorite. Thanks for creating that movement prep, bro. What do you mean creating the movement prep? Like what are you talking? Like what do you mean? Yeah, man. I, re- I really feel like I got my body right. Did you do it? I did part of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Which that, part did Which part did you do? Is, well, uh, like the stretching part. Yeah, there's no stretching in the movement prep. Oh, okay. So you didn't do any of it. You just <laughs> want me to think you did it, right? Like, just, like this whole world you just want is me to like think highly of you. Yeah, like this whole world is just like optics, 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 yeah. optics. Blah, 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 blah. It's like can can one can we be genuine? Like two, um, there is no two. There is no to just be genuine. Just be genuine. Just be genuine. Nothing like, drives any human more crazy than a non-genuine person. And the same goes for coaches. Like nothing. Like I love all my players, but there were some players that you know annoy you because you know, okay, you're not being genuine right now. You're just trying to like look yeah. good in my eyes, yeah. and it's like, man, I love you, but also like go go be a college kid. Go be a high school kid. Like. I, I go go do something else. I'll tell you what. When I uh, I, I had a guy um, who I think I learned more from about this than anybody else in the world. I don't want to use his name because I don't know if he'd be comfortable with it or not. Um, he was in the NAI World Series this year. I will say that. Uh, if you know me, you probably figure it out. I've talked about how much I love him all the time on social media and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but he would he. <laughs> We had a situation one time where like a guy had like a girl in his room and he wasn't allowed to have girls in the dorms. He got like busted and he was like, yeah, man, every situation is different. If this was so-and-so, it would be like, dude, you know better. Like we got to do something about this. But it was this like kind of this like nerdy guy and he was like, dude, I kind of, I, I kind of get it. Like maybe like some validation, like, right. Like, like we can't do that here. But like, it doesn't make sense for me to like drop the hammer on you. Like, I think this isn't an, an opportunity to maybe like teach you like, this isn't what well, we can't do that here. But I'm like, every situation is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then it's like past fences and everything else. Like, you can't just have like a, a cut and dry rule. And that's where I think it gets tough. But I want to put a bow on this because I don't want to ramble on this forever from like a parent's perspective. Is I'm gonna tie in our uh, mental skills guy or sports psychologist guy that we had on. We talked about the parent anxiety in that episode, the optics of what you think you see and what is actually happening. Take a minute to reflect, take a minute to look at your athlete. Let's figure out what they want first. Let's figure out like how badly they want it because if they want to be a multi-sport athlete, to say that they're a multi-sport athlete. If they want to be a multi-sport athlete because they want to have fun playing basketball too, that's okay. Like that's all right. 
But if they're not strong enough to hit the baseball hard and somebody else is, if they're not fast enough to cut that ball off in the hole, but somebody else is, it doesn't matter if they're more skillful. At some point, there's a ceiling and there's a floor. And a coach's job is to figure out what the floor is and what the ceiling is. And your job as a parent is to set your kid up for the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. That doesn't mean they're going to be in the middle all the time. They might be at their floor. They might be at their ceiling. The best thing you can do is set them up for a high ceiling. The floor is way easier to raise, way easier to raise. And I promise you coaches, for the most part, from a development standpoint, just player development, we're talking T-ball to pro. If you think about our very first episode when we introduced this podcast, we are trying to develop players for the next level. And our three goals are this season first, which I think a lot of coaches, like, they do this season only, and that's where it gets challenging. And I think parents think about this season only because it's like recency bias. But there's next season. What tools can we put in for the next season? And then there's like the ultimate goal. It's not two seasons away. It's not three seasons away. It's this season, next season, ultimate goal. I think if you think of it from that perspective, you're going to be all right. I think if you put that in your kids' heads, that that's the perspective, you're going to be all right. Um, I've just, I'm really tired of hearing the same conversations over and over and over and over again. Well, my coach, well, my coach, well, my coach. No, like, what are you doing? What do you want? What's your motivation? Like a good book, I think would be like extreme ownership. I can't say I've read that one, so maybe I'll have, it'll have to be on my list. My All list right. is like twelve books long right now, Jay, so we got we got some so work to do. This, I don't know what episode this, this is, but the next episode I'm gonna get a new host, um, <laughs> and he's gonna have to read Extreme Ownership. He's so also gonna he, have to figure out how to record a podcast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> this is the brains family operation. Um, but uh, man, that's crazy. I've gotten away with two different podcasts, and I haven't had to touch whatever <laughs> software you guys are using. Uh, Nate Pearson. That's a great story, by the way. Speaking of optics, somebody optically. That guy got really upset one time because somebody challenged. He's like, podcast? You guys are doing a podcast? Like, no, you can't do that. The next morning, we had everything set up. I swear, like, <laughs> it was like, it was like I came to the office and it was like, it was like soundproofed and like every, like, I had all the mics and like everything else. Like, kudos to Nate. And like, he literally yeah. was like, it was like within 12 hours. Like, somebody told him, they're like, you're not smart enough to do a podcast. And he just flipped out and was like, oh, yeah, I'm not. After we had been talking about it for like a month. Like nothing happens. Somebody challenges him and he's just like, I swear we just like soundproof. We had a recording studio, like joints baseball. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> um, so anyway, and also like kudos to you. This is like really hard stuff. I know it's like not easy, so appreciate you. But anyways, on that note, um, goes into optics, by the way, you want to like, you want to find a competitor by that's, that's why Nate Pearson was really good at baseball. <laughs> he's a freaking competitor. Um, anyways, I digress. Anyway. We're good. We're good. We're out, man. We're out. See you guys next week. For more information or to train with the Johansson baseball team, follow along with Johansson baseball on all major social media platforms or by visiting their website at johanssonbaseball.com. Johansson baseball.